The Chicago Bears have young talent across the roster, and that means a need for those young players to keep developing and growing. And it just makes me wonder, with so much reliance on so much young talent, are we expecting too much that all of these players are supposed to all get better and grow into starting caliber roles? You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and we love our everydayers here on Locked On Bears. On the show today, I want to look at the kind of pressure that's on these young players in Chicago to develop and grow into starters and the really like the stars of the future on this Bears team and whether the expectations are appropriate here for how many players are going to get better and how much better they're going to get and really the reliance on this Bears coaching staff in order to do so. You know, on, on yesterday's podcast, we talked about just the the bright future when you have so many young players and that and that they have the quarterback position pretty well secured and they've got, you know, the draft capital and the cap space for the future. So like there's a bright future here, but that that comes with then the feeling that these younger players are going to get better. And statistically speaking, not every young draft pick on this Bears team is going to develop into a starter, into a, the kind of player you hope they can. You aspire that all these players will get better and get bigger and better roles. But statistically speaking, not all of them are going to do so. And it raises the question to me of whether or not we're expecting too much and what we should expect. And in particular, I want to focus on a couple of position coaches that have a lot of responsibility on their plate, including an off-season coaching change on this Bears coaching staff that no one's really talked that much about. And I've got my own like Brian Windhorst, lean back, fingers up theories about what might have happened in one position group in particular. But I want to start like big picture what the Chicago Bears are asking for across this roster from the young players and from their coaching staff in terms of development and in terms of asking your coaches to take the players that you have and help them grow into bigger and better things. That You look at a lot of different positions on this team, they're expecting young players to get better to where if that young player does not get better, you're going to be in some trouble at a number of positions. I mean, obviously it starts with, with Justin Fields. There's an expectation that he's going to continue to grow and get better. And all indications have been, and the, and the signs have all been steady progress in that direction. This is not like a concern about him not being able to do so, but just more, he's the first one on the list of like, yes, the Bears need Justin Fields to grow and get better and continue to improve. And that falls on the quarterback's coach, Andrew Ginocco. I think when you look at the wide receiver position, there's some young guys there that you want to grow, but you feel like there's some, there's some, Stability there with DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney at the top. Like, you know, you've got some really solid veterans there, plus some young guys. Like, that's the best position to be in, right, is have your position with some solid veterans and then also some young guys growing behind them. I think running back is a similar thing with, with Donta Foreman and Khalil Herbert at the top and then uh, Roshan Johnson and Tristan Ebner kind of behind them growing into that role. But, like, this offensive line, 
you you need Braxton Jones to continue to get better and to grow into a, like a more consistent starting caliber left tackle. And if he doesn't, you're going to be in trouble at left tackle because you don't have a go-to secondary option there. You need Darnell Wright to come to Chicago, get better, grow, and improve to become a lockdown right tackle on the right side. And you do need Tevin Jenkins to continue. I mean, he played well last season, and we feel confident that he's going to continue to do so. But presumably moving to left guard will be another change for him that he'll need to grow into that role and continue to get better. And if those guys aren't able to do so, you're going to run into some problems on the offensive line because you're really heavily relying on them to be the difference makers at that position. On defense, you're certainly going to be relying on these two defensive tackles you drafted in the second and third rounds, Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, to grow and to be much better in the future than they have been up to this point in their college careers. You're projecting them to be better than they were. I think you could say the same thing about Travis Gibson. You need the coaching staff, the defensive line coach, Travis Smith, to coach them, to coach him up. Dominic Robinson, you're kind of counting on him to keep growing. And even like Demarcus Walker and Rasheem Green, the free agents, they're brought in having decent recent seasons, but need them to continue to be better than they have been throughout the rest of your career. You're projecting all these guys that you need them to come to Chicago and be better than we've seen them up to this point. And it's not to say that they won't. Many of them will. In fact, most of them likely will be better, but perhaps not all of them. And that's sort of the concern. I mean, even you move it back to the cornerback in the secondary position, like Kyler Gordon needs to be a heck of a lot better this year and in future years than we saw it from him as a rookie. You need Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie this year, to come in and continue to grow from what we saw from him at, at Miami and Georgia before that. And Jaquan Brisker needs to continue to get better, although he played pretty well as a rookie. We're not concerned about Brisker the same way we might be concerned about Kyler Gordon. But it just feels like, okay, you look across this roster, across the board, it's like you need, you need, like, there, there's all these positions where you need to be, you need the players to be better or else when it comes to young guys at quarterback at offensive line, at multiple positions, multiple positions on the defensive line, and at cornerback. That if any of the young guys at those positions don't get better, you know, if Braxton Jones doesn't improve, if Darnell Wright doesn't keep getting better, if Kyler Gordon doesn't turn things around and get things better, if Travis Gibson isn't taking steps forward, you're going to start to be in some trouble at those positions. The Bears have repeatedly expressed a high level of confidence in their coaching staff as Really good teachers is the, is the word they keep using. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have all has referred to their coaches as great teachers of the game. And that's that's great to say out loud. And that's great to have as the idea. Every team thinks their coaching staff are going to be great teachers of the game and are good at developing players. But of course, that's not the case. There are plenty of examples. We've seen it throughout Chicago Bears history where a position coach or a coordinator isn't ultimately able to develop players the way that you might like them to. And I want to take a closer look in particular first with the offensive line and offensive line coach Chris Morgan next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the world's best tasting protein bars. I eat one literally every single day. I've been eating them every day since we first started partnering with Built Bar like two years ago. Like I've probably had over 500 Built Bars since we first, I mean, in, my, in the last couple of years here, this is a really important part of my daily diet. I have to keep myself from only eating more than one because I could go through them like that because they taste like candy bars. They're soft, they're easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. But most importantly for me, they're good for you. They're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It's the perfect food that satisfies that sweet treat while also meeting my 
nutrition goals as part of my own fitness goals and getting the kind of nutrients and macronutrients that I want for my body. They come in a bunch of delicious flavors. I've been loving the raspberry as of late, but hey, Built.com's got such a wide variety you can check out anytime you want. But if you want to get them even quicker, you can head over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get them in person. Also, if you live anywhere near a Festival Foods, my local Festival Foods has Built Bars in them as well. But at Walmart, they've got four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, and their coconut puffs. And if you're near a Sam's Club, you could go in and get a 13-bar box of two of my favorite flavors, Brownie Batter Puff and Churro Puff. Try them for yourselves. You'll thank me later. It's so hard in the NFL to really tell how good a position coach is. It's an impossible task. And often you might think a position coach comes in with a reputation and then maybe they don't end up doing as well with your team, but maybe they do better with another team. And it's hard to measure like, okay, when a player, when a young player is good and gets better, how much of that is coaching and how much of that is just, he was a really good young player. And, and pinning that down is not something we have any real way of, measuring in an effective tool. And so I want that, to, I want that to be sort of the, the asterisks here over just offensive line coach, Chris Morgan. I, I, I feel like my premise here is not, I think he's not a good coach. I don't know how good of an offensive line coach Chris Morgan is. I don't know how good most of the bears position position coaches actually are. And the question I want to pose here is, do we know if Chris Morgan is a good offensive line coach? I think the answer is no, we don't know whether he's a good offensive line coach, but I think there's some interesting ways to sort of look at this. And, and I think generally across the NFL, how many really good offensive line coaches are there? That's you know, like offensive line coaches that you think like, man, that team consistently develops and churns out offensive linemen that come out of nowhere, build up in that system and leave getting better. I think there are two. There's the, the Eagles offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland consistently develops a good offensive line there. They also invest a lot in the offensive line there. And then Dante Scarnecchia from the New England Patriots who has retired and then unretired and retired and then unretired. And I believe he is no longer their offensive line coach anymore because I think he retired again not that long ago after being back for a little while. Yeah, they do have a different offensive line coach now. Those two guys have like ironclad reputations as, as great offensive line coaches. All the other offensive line coaches have varying degrees. Bob Wiley, I mean, maybe, but you remember when Matt, when Matt Nagy came in, Harry Heastand came to Chicago and it was like, oh, the Bears got this great offensive line coach. That was the reputation he brought with him to Chicago. And a couple of years later, he wasn't exactly fired, but we were all ready to move on from Harry Heastand. And it felt like that was not as good of an offensive line coach as we thought we were getting. Again, the point being, it's really hard to tell if these offensive line coaches or any position coach is really all that good. But in particular, right, I, I want to think about what we saw last season from Chris Morgan, which is only a one-year sample size and not not a definitive, you know, verdict on him as a coach. Certainly, Tevin Jenkins moved into right guard and played really, really well. And it requires some coaching to teach a player a generally new position on the offensive line during training camp. Certainly, there was there's some evidence of, of good coaching there from Chris Morgan. You wonder, okay, was Tevin Jenkins just naturally gifted? You know, Jenkins had a different offensive line coach the year before when he played well at right tackle and had already played well entering this season. So how much coaching did it take to make Tevin Jenkins good at right guard? We don't know. And again, that's that's sort of my point here. Same thing with Braxton Jones at left tackle. Like, did Braxton Jones get better from week one to week 18? 
incrementally, but I mean, he won that starting job right away. We heard in like OTAs and training camp that Braxton Jones was like in the starting lineup and winning that before the coaching staff ever really got their hands on him to teach him a lot about offensive line play. So, you know, do you give Chris Morgan credit for a young player like Braxton Jones locking down the left tackle job or was Braxton Jones, did he come to Chicago already good enough to lock down that starting left tackle job? And have we seen Braxton Jones get better over time? I, I'm not sure. I think he did get better. He settled in more, but how much better and how much of that is coaching? It's, it's kind of hard to tell. You also look and see well, Sam Mustafer didn't really get better under one only one year of, of Chris Morgan's tutling, tutor, tutelage. Larry Borum lost his, his position battle and never really showed much improvement from there. Alex Leatherwood didn't really take steps forward just yet under this coaching staff, which again, one year is not a, it's not a sample size to say, okay, this coach is doing a good or a bad job in either direction, but you can look back, you know, before he came to Chicago, I think I had some of these questions about him from his previous stops, you know, one year as the the Steelers assistant offensive line coach in 2021, we'll call it a one year sample size. How can you really tell? But he spent six seasons with the Atlanta Falcons offensive line from 2015 to 2021. And, you know, they had offensive line questions during a lot of that. They didn't invest a lot in the offensive line either. And that's part of the problem here. It's like, okay, how much is the talent that they had? And how much is the coaching staff and the, and the position coaches working with that talent? I think the red flag that comes from Atlanta for me is that you know, they drafted Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry in like 2019 or 2020, early draft picks. And they both struggled quite a bit early in their careers there. And then Chris Morgan leaves in 2021. And the last couple seasons, Lindstrom and McGarry have had their two best years of their careers. And they just cashed in for really big contract extensions after Years, especially with McGarry, of feeling like maybe maybe McGarry was a bust. Maybe McGarry was going to be on the bench. Maybe he wasn't going to be a long-term starting tackle option in the NFL. Chris Morgan leaves, those guys get better. Is that just timing for them getting later in their career and more experience? Or or was there a difference in coaching? Again, we don't, we don't know that, but it, it just makes you question. Do we know whether the Bears have a really good offensive line coach who can develop Braxton Jones and make him better? Who can develop Darnell Wright and make him better and can continue to develop... Tevin Jenkins, and because I don't think we have a definitive answer either way. The Bears say he's a good teacher. Everything about him seems he seems like a nice guy. Darnell Wright seems to love him. I'm not. This is not here to say like, hey, we should all hate Chris Morgan and we should all think he's a bad. We should want him fired. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But but when we talk about how much pressure there is on developing these young guys and seeing if you can get these young offensive linemen to play better as their career moves forward, it's important to feel like you've got a coach that can do that and. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we, the Bears say so, and we can certainly take their word for that and give them some benefit of the doubt and some trust in him as an offensive line coach. But let's see, right? Let, that's that's my whole point is let's let's keep tabs this season on how much the young players get better. Now, if we go a couple years in a row now where it doesn't feel like younger players are improving in the offensive line, then we can start to question how good the offensive line coaching actually is. And if Darnell Wright keeps getting better, and if Braxton Jones keeps getting better, and, Te- and Trevin- Tevin Jenkins has another strong season, then we can look and say, okay, the Bears got a good offensive line coach. We're feeling pretty set about our ability to develop players at those positions. That's the whole question I want to ask, and the- something we should keep an eye on here as we-, as we move forward, because now you've got a first-round pick invested at right tackle. You've got a, a promising young fifth-round pick who has shown promise, and a, and a second-round pick in Jenkins. Like There is the team investment. So then if your coaching staff is good, those players should keep getting better because they've shown you a lot of reason why they should keep getting better. I'm also curious about how this plays out at the cornerback position because quietly this offseason, the Bears cornerbacks coach left and they replaced him. 
And that comes after Kyler Gordon particularly struggled during his rookie season. And Kendall Vilder, I guess, got a little bit better. But I want to look a little bit more at this cornerback coach situation and then the reliance on all the young players at that position next on Locked On Bears. Every once in a while here on Lockdown Bears, we find something like this where I get to do my best Brian Windhorse on ESPN impersonation where I don't even actually remember at this point. Was it about Kevin Durant? But he's one of their best. If you don't know, Brian Windhorse is one of their basketball reporters. He's like their most plugged in LeBron James reporter. And he was on one of their talk shows and was like raising raising some questions of like, why is that? Like he wasn't answering the question, but he was kind of he was asking the right question. Say, hmm. Why did the team think to do this? And he, he leaned back in his chair with his fingers up. He's like, why would why would that be? Why would a team do this in that moment? And, and then, so then all everybody else was like, well, is it because they're going to trade for this player or because they're going to fire this coach? He's like, just ask yourself why. And then he wouldn't, wouldn't give away that he, that he knew what was going to happen because I think he's got to predict the sources. But he was just like, hey, what? Well, wait a minute. Well, why, why is that? Maybe we should be asking these sort of questions. And so as I was thinking about these young players developing, I, it reminded me that, yeah, wait a minute. Uh, the Bears didn't make hardly any coaching staff changes this offseason. A couple of like assistant wide receivers coach got a promotion and, you know, little things like that. There is a new assistant wide receivers coach like Omar Young. And I think might be a new assistant offensive line coach and a new like assistant, like, you know, the, the really like super, super minor, not even position coach positions. But the Bears did lose their corner. Well, lose their cornerbacks coaches, sort of the the operative word here. Like what what happened exactly with the cornerbacks coach? So. In January, before, like right before the last game of the season, I, I don't know if ESPN had this first, but I saw the Courtney Cronin tweet from ESPN. She said, per coach or per source, Bears DB's coach James Rowe is leaving Chicago after the season to become the University of South Florida's defensive passing game coordinator on Alex Golish's new staff. Rowe was a 2009 graduate of South Florida and returns to his alma mater after spending the last two seasons in the NFL. And I just can't help but like wonder or just ask the right questions, right? I'm not I'm not here to say that James Rowe was fired or dismissed or asked to leave because the Bears cornerbacks underachieved in some ways last season. But I'm just wondering why he left, right? You go from NFL cornerbacks coach to college defensive passing game coordinator, which is not defensive coordinator, defensive passing game coordinator. It's a half step down. And this is not a position coach leaving for Alabama, leaving for Georgia, leaving for a glamour school. It's USF, which is his alumni, his his alma mater, excuse me, as as Courtney pointed out in the tweet. But it does strike me a little bit as a particularly big leap down. And there are many reasons why a coach might want to change jobs. Perhaps he has family near South Florida. Perhaps he just perhaps he sees more stability in the college coaching game under a friend of his who's the head coach or whatever as opposed to the NFL where there's more turnover and it's a little bit, you know, he would be in Chicago and there's a little bit more, you know, traveling and all this different stuff, different responsibilities, different jobs. There are reasons, there are non-football reasons why coaches might choose to leave the NFL and go back to college. But it just sure does seem like a little bit of an interesting timing because he was he was Matt Eberflus's cornerbacks coach in 2021, followed Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams to the Chicago Bears. So like there was already this continuity with this coaching staff that he would have seemingly got along with. He only had one year of experience as an NFL cornerbacks coach with Matt Eberflus. He was, it was good for him that he was able to follow along and be with him as a part of this team. 
But they replaced him being a young, inexperienced, relatively inexperienced cornerbacks coach this offseason with John Hoke, one of the most one of the most experienced cornerbacks, defensive back coaches around the sport. He had previously been the Bears defensive backs coach from 2009 to 2014, if that name sounds familiar to you. That would have been the time like it was like the Tillman, Zach Bowman, Corey Graham, like late career Charles Tillman, but still mostly Tillman era. Late career Charles Tillman Bears cornerbacks is who Hoke was coaching for Lovey Smith under Bob Babich, I think was the defensive coordinator at that time, which is the same scheme that Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams are running generally. So like there's certainly a lot of a lot of synergy there and a lot of reasons why, jo- why John Hoke makes a lot of sense as a defensive backs coach. But it does seem like a fairly significant like 180 from, you know, young, inexperienced, growing coach, which is not a bad thing. It's not it's not necessarily a bad thing to a veteran, super experienced coach who's been coaching defensive backs since 1982. I believe, according to his Wikipedia page, like that guy has 40 years of coaching experience for defensive backs. And James Rowe has like five or six. And I didn't count the specific years for him. Again, this is not to be a shot at James Rowe, but were the Bears intentional there about saying, you know what? Maybe we want someone a little bit more experienced coaching these cornerbacks because we have so many young players, right? There's no veteran in this cornerback room. Jalen Johnson is the veteran in this cornerback room, the one who's been in the NFL the longest and with the most experienced. And he's 24 years old. I guess technically Kendall Vildor came in the league in the same draft and is five months older than him or so. So he's Kendall Vildor is 25. So I guess Kendall Vildor is the experienced veteran in this Bears cornerback room. Maybe they needed more of an experienced cornerbacks coach. Maybe they looked at the lack of development from Kyler Gordon this season and Maybe, I mean, again, I don't want to like recklessly speculate, but could could there be some feeling of like, yeah, maybe we need to make a change there. Maybe we feel like this cornerback room was such a liability for so often this season. But at the same time, Jalen Johnson was injured and they were rotating in undrafted rookies like Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell. So it felt like it felt like the James Rowe, the cornerbacks coach, maybe set up to fail there with just no talent at cornerback. And maybe that's why he left. Maybe he wanted to leave and said, screw this. I don't want to keep coaching these undrafted free agents at cornerback. We don't have enough cornerback talent and it's making me look bad as a coach. And I want to leave to go coach at my alma mater and get in maybe what he might feel like is a better situation for himself. Again, I'm not trying to go too tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here on the defensive back position, but it is an interesting, it is an interesting thought as we kind of figure out how the bears are going to develop these players and, and, you know, whether or not a more veteran defensive backs coach might be able to get more out of Kyler Gordon and get his career development more on track. Continue to grow Jalen Johnson and push him to another level. And of course, Tyreek Stevenson comes in and another rookie in Terrell Smith. Like these are young, malleable brains and minds for John Hoke to coach at defensive back. And you think, you hope that his experience, he's been around the gamut here and has knows this system. Well, he's the one new coach on this coaching staff. And that's that was interesting to me as we talk about evaluating these assistant coaches and these position coaches' ability to grow and develop the players on this team. Cornerback was one spot where it was shaky last season, and it's also then one of the only spot that they made an actual position coach change. We'd love to hear what you think about these Bears position coaches, your level of confidence in the offensive line coach, in the cornerback, in the change at the cornerbacks coach, what you think about these different position coaches and how you feel about the Bears being able to develop these young players. Let us know in the comments here on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. You can tweet us at Lockdown Bears. You can post in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group to keep the conversation going there as well. Just however you do it, make sure you hit that subscribe button on on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. 
That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making the Lockdown Bears podcast your first listen today. We love our everydayers who tune in five days a week for your off-season Bears analysis. We're going to keep things rolling next week and we'll get you all ready for OTAs coming up around the corner. The training camp will be here before you know it and the regular season. So keep coming back for more Lockdown Bears. And of course, you have to keep coming back for your next opportunity to bear down. <laughs>